Well, if you are visiting, and if you're a regular in any case, you would know that we're in a series about the great I Ams. Those are statements of Jesus where he begins, I am, as Pastor Jamie just concluded, I am the Good Shepherd. In this passage from John chapter 10, there are two of these I am statements. One is, I am the Good Shepherd. The other is, I am the door or the gate. Two in one passage. Now, scattered throughout John's Gospel, there's a host of them, close to a dozen, according to how you measure them. We began on Easter Sunday, right here, looking at I am the resurrection and the life. Words of Jesus on Resurrection Day. I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, if you look in the back of your bulletin, you'll see the rest of the I ams that we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he could make these what would be megalomanic statements about himself and not come off as a megalomaniac. I mean, to say, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Who says that? Who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me? Who says that? And when anybody ever says anything like that, and is bragging on themselves, elevating themselves, looking grand to themselves, and telling you how great they are, what's your first thought? I hadn't been married, I don't think, a couple of months. And my wife is a sweet, wonderful woman. Was then, as much as I could have ruined her, she still is. And uh, I was bragging on myself. On one occasion, I can still see the room where we were in our little apartment in Philadelphia. I was bragging on myself. I thought I'd done something really well. And I, I said, don't you think, and I was talking to her... We'd only, been, we'd only known each other six months when we got married. And we'd married less than a month, so she's still getting used to me, me to her, and I'm bragging. And sweet little Kath, she's five foot two. She says to me, I love me, I love me, oh how I love myself. I love me, I love me, see, my picture's on the shelf. She only ever said it once. <laughs> I've got it memorized. And all I was doing was just a little bit of bragging on myself. How does Jesus get away with saying what he said? And not coming off like that. Because Jesus really was a servant, 
humble, spending his time with the ordinary folks, not hanging out with the elites. In fact, as you heard from Pastor Jamie, very critical of the elites, those who thought they were the religious aficionados who ran everything. So when Jesus said that he is the good shepherd, or I am the door, by me if you enter in you will be saved. Now the translation we're looking at today, I am the gate. But the word in the original language really is door. But more modern translators have put I am the gate because he's speaking about a sheep pen. So you don't have regular doors on a sheep pen. What you've got is a gate. And he's speaking about the shepherd image and his being the good shepherd who takes care of the sheep, lays down his life for the sheep. Amazingly, wonderfully, however the chaps have organized that here, that's what we're looking at next weekend, Memorial Day weekend, that he lays down his life for the sheep as we memorialize those who've laid down their lives for us in uh, the military. Jesus was absolutely the epitome in everything about him, how he was born, where he was born, with whom he was raised, the kind of chaps he was hanging out with that they called disciples. He was the epitome of humility but could say these grand things. The other reason he could say them was they were really true. He knew who he was. So when he said, I am this or I am that, the great I am, whatever he's saying about himself, he knows it to be true. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He knows it. John's gospel, from which these I am's are taken, is after two huge pieces of truth. One is who Jesus is and what he came to do. Who he is, the great I am, that's why they're there. Who he is and what he came to do. And if he is not who he said he was, He can't pull off what he said he came to do. Those are irrevocably joined. If he's not who he said he was, he could never pull off what he said he came to do. So I am the door, he says. Whoever enters in through me will be saved and go in and out and find pasture He goes on to say, the thief only comes to kill and destroy and to steal. I came, now he's going to tell you why he came. He's told you who he is, and then he tells you why he came. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the old translation, superabundance. Again, it's been mellowed down with the words, I've come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. That's why he's come. That was a revelation to me when a chap told me that, coming out of my irreligious background. I thought Jesus had come to make us miserable. 
kind of sourpusses that seem to go around church in England. You know what a sourpuss is, do you? Is that a phrase from the U.S.? I get my languages mixed up here. You'd never guess from most of the church folks that we saw back in those days that Jesus came that we might have life and have it all the more abundantly, super abundance in all its fullness. And I was looking for that. Well, when he says, I am the door, by me, if you enter in, you will be saved, that's what he's talking about. Rescuing us from our screwed up, messed up, mixed up, bleak lives. And giving us, no matter where we're coming from or whatever the past has been, when we get into him, when we enter through that doorway, give us a life that is spectacular. Now when he uses the phrase, I am, let me clarify this again in the middle of the series, because that's where we are. He is really referring back to God revealing himself to Moses... This is in Exodus, second book of the Bible, chapter 3, where Moses, who's been the back end of a wilderness tending sheep, sees a burning bush on the side of a hill. It doesn't consume. It doesn't just flash up, flare up, and go, go out. It keeps burning. It catches his curiosity. He goes up, and as he draws close to the bush, it begins to talk to him. It's God speaking to him. And calling him to go set his people free from Egypt. One man, the lone man Moses, with a bunch of sheep around him, he was shepherding at that time himself, being told to go and deliver Israel out of bondage where they were slave labor in the powerful land nation of Egypt. And when he's told to do that by God, Moses asks this question. Let me read it to you so that you, if it looks like I'm reading it, you might all the more believe it. Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, it says this. Suppose I go to the Israelites. His problem in the first place wasn't with the Egyptians. It was with his own people. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? This is the early days of Revelation. I don't mean like the book of Revelation. God revealing himself. God said to Moses, I am who I am. So this is what you say to the Israelites, I am has sent me. So when Jesus is going around saying, I am, you don't think the Jews, especially the religious leaders, missed what he appeared to be saying. And especially later, we're not going to even deal with this one of all that there are there, where he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they took up stones to stone him. They knew exactly what he was saying. Well, these I am statements, Jesus telling us who he is, are radical and huge because he is God. 
He is the great I am. Coming in human form and revealing, further revealing beyond anything that the Old Testament got out of revelation. God revealing himself through Jesus. Jesus, God in the flesh. Very God of very God. Just as we've said in the creed. God in human form revealing himself to us. And what's he revealing? That he's come to, bring, he's come to be a doorway to the Father. He's come to be the way to the Father. He's come to be the, the entry point to our personal relationship with God, which gives us this overwhelming, spectacular life. Who can say a thing like that? If I, in any sense, because you sometimes wonder about us preachers and whether we're full of ourselves, and maybe too often we are. I sometimes say to my wife, again, if you don't mind me letting you in on something else, I will sometimes say to her, how'd I do? Because I can't go and ask you that. Because you just keep telling me how great I am and spectacular. and the, you know, I... I said, how do I do? Sometimes she would say, too much of guest and not enough of God. (laughs) She's straight at me. (laughs) I used to be seven foot two, by the way. I just keep slicing it down. Jesus, I am the door by me. If you enter in, you will be saved. I have come that you might have life and have it in all its fullness. It's all in him. It's in Jesus. And of course, in his dying on the cross, just as was beautifully sung for us and then drew us into the hallelujah, what a savior response. He so loved us that he gave himself on the cross for us. In absolute, stark, naked humility on the cross for us and took all the filth and crap of our lives, our garbage, on himself so that we could be rid of it and enter into a new life with him. So the Apostle Paul at one point says, if anyone is in Christ, there's that phrase, in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's one of the things that drew me to Christ as from my unreligious, irreligious background. That he came that we might have life. It was exactly what I was looking for. And it's an entry point. Now, two things about a door. Number one, when it's open, it welcomes you in. It's a way to get in. If anybody's skulking around your house and they're not just coming in through the door, even if it be open, what do you think? If they're looking in through the windows, if they're making their way around the shrubbery, if they're like checking out your house and they're not just standing at the door, what do you think? Jesus speaks about those who try to get into the sheep pen by some other way. Not through the door, clambering up over the wall. And when Jesus says he is the door, by the way, 
You know, the two I am's, I am the shepherd, I am the door. Is he confused? Is he the door of the sheep pen and the shepherd at the same time? Yes, is the answer. Because what they would build out in the wilderness where they were shepherding, wilderness not being a desert like we think of Arizona, for instance, but out there in the wilds, though a lot of Israel is barren and rocky, they would take those rocks and build a pen, a sheep pen, but they don't have a door built there. Do you know what the shepherd did at night after he'd gotten his sheep in? He would lay across the entrance. He was the door. The sheep could not get out without walking over him. He, the shepherd, was the door for the sheep. Now, so when the door's open, you're being welcomed in. When it's closed, it's to protect those who are on the inside. You thought I was going to say it's to shut people out. Yeah, those who want to climb in some other way. When the door is shut, it is protection for those who are on the inside. So Jesus is both the way in and the protection for us once we're in. So that you've got that kind of coming in and going out, which again is another Israeli Jewish phrase. There's a benediction, I pray, pretty much only at weddings... When the couple have kissed, have they kissed at that point? No, they haven't kissed at that point. I mean, they have kissed, but not in the service. (laughs) And I finish the prayers, and I lay my hands on their heads, and I say, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, etc. And then at the end of it, I said, say, the Lord bless your children and your children's children You're coming in and you're going out from this time forth forevermore. That's right out of the Bible. And the coming in and going out is about a life together that's secure. So the idea that Jesus secures us, he doesn't just rescue us and leave us to our own devices. He is our defense. He is our protector. He is the door. If anybody's going to get to us, they've got to come through him. Do you get that? I know you do. If they're going to get to us, who are his children, who've entered in, we've made the entrance, we've made the decision, we're not hanging around the door anymore, we've gone in, we've asked Jesus to take over our lives, He has become that leader to us, that shepherd to us. He's forgiven us our sins. He's filled us with his spirit. We've got this new life. He doesn't leave us to our own devices. He's watching out for us. He is there our protection as well. It's a huge statement simply to say I'm the door. And this may be a teaching to you in some respects, on how to read the scriptures, how to stop and meditate and think, what does that really mean? Because meditation, that is thinking about, rolling around in your mind. Do you ever eat food that's so good you don't want to swallow it? So you keep it... (laughs) I've been doing this a lot recently, but keeping it in my mouth as long as I can because it is so good. I don't want to swallow it because once I've swallowed it, it's gone. More or less. 
Jesus is so good. Once you've tasted him, it's like you want to keep on, keeping on, keeping on, enjoying him. Well, that's what he is to us. The door represents both entry point and protection. There may be one of two of you here yet to really go in. You've been checking out the door. Checking out, thinking about, do I really want in? You've been looking around here, looking at us, seeing how we worship. Is that what I really want? Is, maybe started reading the scriptures. Is that what I really want? Till you step in, you haven't gone through the door. You may really love the door. You may say, boy, that's a nice door. The Brits paint their doors all kinds of colors, you know, bright colors, a red, bright blue. You can go by a very ordinary house with a bright front door. The man who brought me to Pittsburgh died before I got here. He didn't know I came. It's not that he invited me, except by a vision he had for Pittsburgh that it become as famous for God as it was for steel. And I came to Pittsburgh to join myself to that vision over 40 years ago. That's why I got to Pittsburgh. People say, how did you get to Pittsburgh? I mean, it was nearly the armpit of the world 40 years ago, with all the steel and the muck in the air. I came to Pittsburgh because of that visionary statement, making Pittsburgh as famous for God as it was for steel. Famous preacher by the name of Sam Shoemaker actually helped start AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, I'm going to read a piece that he wrote. I stand by the door, he says. That's the name of the piece. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men walk when they find God. There's no use me going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all so many ever find, this may be describing you, all so many ever find is only a wall where a door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So, I stand by the door. The most tremendous thing in the world is for men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing any man can do is to take a hold of one of those blind groping hands and put it on the latch, the latch that only clicks and opens to the man's own touch. 
Men die outside that door as starving beggars die on cold nights in cruel cities in the dead of winter. Die for want of what is within their grasp. They live on the other side of it. Live there because they have not found it. And nothing else matters compared to helping them find it and open it and walk in and find him. So I stand by the door. It's really the description of his life's passion. Standing by the door. Well, that door is Jesus. Helping people find him and enter in through him. The door marked Jesus. The door that is Jesus. And find that life. He is the door. And for those of us who say we have entered in. And we're enjoying that life that he came to bring us. Let us never ever forget where we were. And what it's like to be on the outside, groping along that wall, looking for a door. I ask God often never to let me forget what it was like not to know him. Jesus is the door. He's here. It's illustrative. He's obviously not a wooden or plywood door or steel casement door. It's a description of who he is, why he came, and he's here for each of us. And for us to stand by the door, identify ourselves with him, and invite others to get a hold of that latch personally and enter in. It's a big statement that he makes. But he is the Lord who came to make a doorway where there was no door. To make an entrance where there was no entrance. To make a way where there was no way. And he's here. And he knows you. Let's pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you for your immense love for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the way you present yourself in so many respects, in awesome humility, so that we, in turn, can come and enter in to what you have done for us, prepared for us, offer to us with open hands and open arms and an open heart through an open door. Thank you, Lord. Help us to enter in, not to linger at the door, or just send you little text messages. Help us to enter in. 
and embrace you and be embraced by you and find the life you came to bring. Thank you, dear Jesus.